0: You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now, for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer
1: and Mark Alderman. Welcome back to The Beltway Briefing. And uh, Mark, it's good to have you back. You've been away for a couple of episodes. And today we have the special privilege of being joined by our friend and colleague, Alex Campo. Alex has done two tours at Cozen, um, was here as an associate, went to the House of Representatives where she was a health staffer on the Budget Committee, went to the United States Senate where she was the lead health staffer on the Republican Policy Committee, and then ran point on Medicare issues at the Domestic Policy Council in the White House. So Alex leads our health policy practice at Cozen. She's all healthcare all the time. Mark, you spend a lot of your time in healthcare, and we figured with so much going on in the health policy world these days, let's devote an entire Beltway briefing to healthcare and, and the state of play. So that's what we're here to do today. And let's do what we always do when we start the Beltway briefing, Mark, and and do a, true, a few true-false questions. But Mark, true-false has become fact or fiction. Okay. So it's no longer true or false. Uh, while I was overseas, it became fact or fiction. Very exciting development. It's now fact wow. or fiction. That, so was, let's, let's... that was not reported in Israel, however. Yes. Let, let's get into it. Mark, fact or fiction? A candidate can win the Democratic field without fully embracing Medicare for all. Fact. Simple. The leading contender
0: for the Democratic nomination is not a Medicare for all guy. Joe Biden, of course, Elizabeth and Bernie are whatever that means, but the rest of the field isn't either. And I think this is an easy one. I was expecting a harder question out of the box.
1: I don't see it. I mean, all yes, Buttigieg, Medicare for all who want it, but Mark, like Elizabeth Warren is if you look at the betting markets at least she's the leading contender for the nomination she's medicare for all and she doesn't even care how you have to pay for it well the betting markets don't vote democrats
0: actually vote and if you count democratic votes medicare for all couldn't even pass the democratic house as i think alex would agree and it is uh, a function, Howard, of you living in Bethesda and working in Washington that all you hear about is Medicare for all. The party isn't there yet, although there is a very healthy, no pun intended, very robust debate. But if the question is, do you have to embrace it to win this nomination? The The
1: answer to that is just simply no. Mark, you're definitely outside the bubble in Bryn Mawr. Okay. Second, Second question, fact or fiction, Alex, president Trump's healthcare reform plan is never coming.
2: So I think that is, is both fact and fiction. Um, because I don't think president Trump or candidate Trump is going to have a plan. Um, I think he has been putting out little pieces of his plan and will continue to every single week. And I think that, that ultimately is the plan. And so a lot of what he's doing as president will be what his health care plan, plan is. Um, and you can look at a lot of the different executive orders that have been coming out to get a sense of what what's included in that.
0: Okay. That's a very intelligent fi- answer, <laughs> but I question whether it complies with the rules of fact or
2: fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: fact or fiction number three. <laughs> Alex, impeachment is sucking all the oxygen out of the room, and ties the administration's hands on major policy changes, most especially something as significant as healthcare.
2: Um, definitely fiction. Um, you could see, or you know, a lot of people aren't looking, but if you look, the administration, HHS, and the White House is making taking lots of actions on healthcare, and they're you know, the president's famous for saying things like, let them sue us. Um, I think he would probably say, you know, let them impeach me, but he's going to keep taking actions, um, especially in healthcare where he knows a lot of his voters are focused.
1: All right. So in the past few election cycles, Mark, you and I have talked about this a lot over the years, Healthcare has been at the top of the list of issues that the electorate cares about. You know, we saw it in Virginia in 2017, we saw it in the midterm elections in 2008 and 18, all the exit polling suggests that the number one issue by far for voters is healthcare. Is that still going to be the case heading into 2020? And if so, you know, why, why is that? Why is healthcare such a dominant issue? It seems like it ping pongs back and forth, depending upon who's in power. You know, if the R's are in power, the D's are mad. If the D's are in power enacting the ACA, the R's are mad and they can run on that. Does, does it, any of it really matter at the end of the day? Oh, I think it
0: matters a lot. I think it not only has been the dominant issue. I expect it to be the dominant issue again in 2020. I had lunch today with Connor Lamb, who is a United States Congressman in part because he ran on a healthcare platform not once but twice in his special election again in in 2018 in a district that Trump carried. But he was able to get himself elected in part again on that issue because it is not only about healthcare it is a proxy issue for the economy as well healthcare is uh, a pocketbook issue and i think uh, it it's always the economy stupid but the economy turns out for many many americans to be more about healthcare than getting a job since unemployment is so low and I don't, I don't see that changing. I think there could be uh, developments in the next few weeks, Alex, on the ACA case that are going to just catapult this right to the top of everybody's uh, list again. So, yes, is the answer. Stay tuned uh, and and expect health care to be dead Alex, center. Alex, jump in. <laughs> No, I it. I actually
2: I actually agree with Mark. Um, I think I think healthcare Don't do that. <laughs> is is the focus focus for a lot of people. It may be somewhat less of a focus. I think that's what we've seen in polling data for Republicans than for Democrats. Um, but even a lot of Republicans are are very concerned about healthcare in large part because their premiums for the most part just keep going up, and healthcare is just too expensive. Although I think a lot, a lot of what voters are focused on is more, even more than the ACA and their their health insurance premiums and deductibles, is the cost of drugs, um, and especially at the pharmacy counter, what they're encountering there in terms of their out of pocket costs.
1: Yeah. So why do prices keep going up? I mean, the statistics that I saw in preparing for this podcast, you know, insulin has doubled in the last four years or something like that. And I mean, just crazy price spikes. Why is, why is, why does the system perpetuate that?
2: Well, I think it it really depends who you ask. Because the biggest
1: (laughs) buyer
0: of drugs in the world isn't allowed to negotiate for price.
2: That is definitely what, what president Trump would say. Um, When he first said that a couple of years ago, it was kind of a shocking Thing to hear from the Republican candidate and then from the Republican president, but it is now a shared view of Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump um, of why drug prices are going up. I think pharmaceutical companies would say that is that is not why prices are going up. They're going up because they they spend lots of time on research and development, on you know they're trying lots of lots of crazy things because they want to find cures to things that don't have. to to diseases and to illnesses that don't have cures. And there's just a lot of sunk costs. So they have to make them up when they finally do get a drug that comes to market.
1: Let's go back to drug pricing later on. But Alex, I want to ask you you the, the administration and congressional Republicans, they tried to repeal the ACA and that didn't happen. The house flipped and the election is now a year away. You know, you've been, I talked about your your tour of duty when you temporarily left Cozen earlier. You've been in rooms with all the important players, the House, the Senate, the White House. What's the mood like now on health care? What what's the Republican conference thinking? Where are Republican leaders' heads on health care? What's their agenda at this point?
2: Well, I think different Republicans, and probably the same on the Democratic side, but different Republicans are in different places. Um, A lot of Republicans think we really just need to stop talking about health care. We didn't repeal and replace Obamacare. We're going into another election. It's not a helpful thing for us to be talking about. Um, And then there are other Republicans who disagree. They say this is front and center on voters' minds. It's not an option not to talk about it. Um, When I, I worked in Congress for... For two doctor members of of Congress, and they, I think they would their view would be that we should keep talking about it. Um, These are their problems out there that we need to fix. Um, But I don't really think impeachment is playing playing too much of a role in the healthcare decisions that Congress or the President are making. It may limit floor time that's available this year, especially in the Senate, if the Senate were to hold impeachment trials, but. I don't see it actually playing into the politics here as much as a lot of the reporting has let on. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: no, I agree with that. I mean, you and I see it every day that, you know, there, there's the, you have to separate the signal from the noise that the, you know, at the top, certainly, you know, the tweets and the chaotic nature of the frenzied political environment we're all living in is, is one thing, but, The staff are still going to work. People are still meeting. People are driving the issues that they're responsible for forward. I was in a meeting last week at the FDA with probably a dozen FDA staffers and and principals, and they didn't care that impeachment is going on. They moved forward. They pressed forward with their agenda and and that's the way Washington goes. So I, I completely agree with you on that. But but what do they want to get done? I mean, is it drug pricing? Is it what? What is it? What you know? You cannot not have an agenda on healthcare in, with it being twenty percent of the economy.
2: I think everyone involved wants to lower drug costs, but everyone has different ideas about how to do it. Um, I think everyone involved wants to eliminate surprise billing. That's something you've heard from Republicans, Democrats, the President. Um, but again, there there are two, in particular, two very different ways of accomplishing that. And there's a lot of money being spent on campaigns to to fight to fight these these two different sides. And there are a lot of very strong views. So, actually breaking through that and and finding a solution is a lot harder than wanting to fix the problem.
0: You know, I I would never presume to speak for uh, Alex, let alone uh, the Republican Party, but I do believe that the Republicans are gonna have a healthcare agenda imposed on them. And and again, maybe in the next weeks or, or months, There is going to be a Fifth Circuit opinion in the ACA case. The administration has refused to defend the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. If that decision upholds the district court decision ruling that the ACA is unconstitutional, all hell is going to break loose, especially if there is no stay. If there is no stay, then that will become the dominant chaos in, in Congress, even with a stay, that is going to become a, a central health care political issue. And the Democrats in the House in the next weeks or months are going to pass a drug pricing bill, which is uh, coincidentally and appropriately named for uh, Congressman Cummings that was The name before his his recent death and that's going to get sent to the senate and the republicans are going to have to deal with that so i think alex uh, whether members of your caucus and party think that they should just stop talking about health care or not i don't think they're going to be able to duck it but at the same time i i do agree we're having uh, an unusual amount of agreement here but i agree with you and howard yeah. that work is getting done you have uh, the senate finance committee actually with a bipartisan proposal on drug pricing and and it it is such a big issue that everyone agrees has to be addressed that we may i may be surprised yet and there may actually be some legislation on this
2: I think, um, I would not bet on there being drug pricing legislation this year. I mean, there is legislation. I, I would not bet on there being legislation that passes both chambers this year. Um, there's a lot of disagreement in the House. Perhaps the House can get their Pelosi bill out. Um, but, you know, in the Senate, Leader McConnell can't get the you know, the the Senate finance bill on the floor. He can't get enough votes from the Republican caucus on that bill. So the odds of him, even
1: though that's a bipartisan (laughs) bill, right?
2: It's called a bipartisan bill. There are a lot of um, widened proposals in the bipartisan bill um, and not that many Republicans who voted for it. Chairman Grassley's
0: agreed to them, right?
2: Yeah. Chairman Grassley likes them. There's a lot of um, disagreement among other Republicans on the finance committee though.
1: Mark, the Democrats only control one chamber. Great that they can pass a bill in the House on, on something like drug pricing. But they only control one chamber. You and I both know that's dead on arrival. When Obama and the Democrats passed the ACA, they got shellacked in the mid, following midterm elections. By and large, you know there was tremendous blowback. Now all we hear about is Medicare for all. First of all, let's start there. What in the heck does Medicare for all even mean? Uh, depends who you ask. It, it means different things
0: to different people. There is actually, well, Bernie I wrote was the bill, just so- going say, there are a number of bills, one of which is a damn bill that Bernie wrote. I'm quoting him on that. But it most fundamentally means a replacement of the private insurance system with a government-run, one-size-fits-all universal coverage. That's that's the most fundamental definition.
1: Why? I mean, why? They passed the ACA and lost the House. Well... And Obama was unpopular. Certainly popular in certain parts of the Democratic Party, but but unpopular. Now they're doubling down. You who, guys are doubling is, down no, no, on no, socialized no. medicine.
0: You're, you're, these are talking points. These are Republican talking points. If Alex Drafts the Republican talking point you,
2: is Medicare for all means Medicare for none. Okay,
0: uh, Howard didn't get that memo, but uh, he I'm sure he agrees. But there is not a a single voice in the Democratic Party on this. This is how we started with your softball fact or fiction. There is proposed Medicare for all legislation in the House and the Senate. Obviously, it is going nowhere in the Senate. And in the House, it is not going to pass if Pelosi even gives it a vote. It doesn't have a majority of Democrats. It's an idea, and it is an idea that is being robustly debated on the campaign trail because two of the leading candidates are supporters of it. But I think it's a dramatic overstatement to say that the Democratic Party is doubling down on on socialized
1: medicine. So, so you don't think that... Medicare for all is a majority position inside the Democratic primary electorate. I don't think it is a majority position in the House of
0: Representatives. I don't think it is a majority position among Democratic candidates for president. I don't think it's a majority position among primary voters. And even if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, which is hard for me to say, were to become president, it isn't going to become the law of the United States anyway. So it it is, it is an idea that is being debated. It is not a, a program that is being embraced by the party. Now, we'll see what happens at the convention. It's going to be very interesting. It depends, obviously, on who the nominee is, if we have a nominee by then, I think we certainly will but a platform is going to be written and there's going to be a robust debate on this and and we shall see what what comes of that my
1: prediction that it it isn't going to be what you fear alex what's the republican perspective on medicare for all i mean we know you just said it's medicare for none obviously it's not financially viable but how is the republican side of the aisle looking at this, not just as a policy issue, because we know it isn't gonna be the law of the land, but as a political issue.
2: I mean, I think it's it's very helpful for Republicans when the more that Democrats talk about Medicare for all, because I think it's it's terrifying for people who think of the government being involved in their lives at the DMV, where they wait for hours and hours just to get simple paperwork done or at the post office this is your healthcare. So when you need a doctor's appointment or a surgery, you don't want to wait that long. And we hear stories of that in other countries where they do have more socialized medicine. So I think Republicans would welcome more conversation about Medicare for all. Um, The president just did a big event at the villages in Florida, and he talked all about it. He introduced a new executive order where they doubled down on Medicare Advantage, which is very popular among seniors. So they're going to I'm expecting a lot of new proposals to come out of the administration around MA, um, both in the Part C D rule that's coming out shortly and in the Medicare um, notice and call Medicare Advantage notice and call letter early next year. So I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for Republicans to lean in and do more to make to be even more popular going into the election as they oppose Medicare for all. Yeah. And
0: where did Medicare Advantage come from, Alex? Wasn't that a democratic program?
2: That's fine. Uh, you guys okay. don't like it anymore, though, right? No, I like it's well, just, it just like,
0: fine. So
2: but just I lean in. Some <laughs> of the
1: underpinnings of the Affordable Care we, Act for yeah. Republicans. I will. It Alex, from Alex is ideas. on her
0: game though. She's Alex has got the the talking points and more and and <laughs> more. So that was that was a very articulate uh, explanation of why Medicare for All is good for Republicans.
1: And, you know, from my perspective, but it's a straw man. This was, but Mark, it, it, I know you were overseas during the last debate, but it, it consumed a good portion of the debate. Some of the other candidates went after Senator Warren very hard on the fact that she has no plan to pay for, for Medicare for all, regardless of whether this is like, to me, the classic issue of primaries versus generals. And she's taking a very firm position in the primary because she's trying to appeal to the progressive side of the democratic party. If she gets the nomination, she isn't going to be able to say, well, I didn't really mean Medicare for all. I meant Medicare for all who wanted or whatever it is. And I actually have a plan. She's just saying something. She has no plan. And the same thing, it's going to boomerang on her. Okay, but two points, if I may.
0: Number one, Elizabeth Warren is not the Democratic Party, nor is she even yet the Democratic nominee, nor do some of us think she is even the leading contender for it, the betting markets notwithstanding. And secondly, listen to your indictment of the Democratic debate. My God, there was a debate. On policy, what, what a horror to have to endure in, in this country. I think the debate is healthy, and I think it's going to come out in a place where Americans are, are comfortable. But
1: that's that's why we have elections. Okay. Well, let's stop part one of our podcast here and come back for part two. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify,
0: and while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.